0: Today's episode is sponsored by The Juice, the world's largest library of sales and marketing resources, all curated from the best organizations in the world. We're continuing to use these ad spots to shout out creators in B2B that we admire by asking them a very important question. What does it mean to be a modern day marketer? Today's answer is from Masuma Maiman, a freelance writer who's written for organizations like Shopify and Vimeo.
1: Hi, I'm Masuma, and I think what makes a modern day marketer is empathy. Why? Because it makes sure that all marketing campaigns that you plan are human first. Let's take content marketing as an example
0: here. When you're empathetic, you write pieces that only resonate with your audience. Respect your reader's time and always make sure that you offer the most value first by making you ask the following questions that guide content production. How well is this piece of content reading to me? Does it resonate with me? Am I connecting with it? Is it offering me value first? Remember, empathy is what makes you boss think, and decide in favor of your audience's preferences. Because why market in a way you don't like being marketed to? Thank you to Masuma and thank you to The Juice. You can explore some of Masuma's top writing, and she is a great writer. On her creator page as part of The Juice, use the link in your show notes to check out her writing or visit thejuicehq.com to sign up to their portal for free, thejuicehq.com. Imagine for a second that you're trying to write something amazing. Something that advances your cause, builds your audience, and resonates so deeply with others, they throw up their hands and go, this, this is speaking to my soul. I gotta, I gotta subscribe. I gotta, I gotta share this. I gotta follow this writer to the ends of the earth and back. Imagine trying to do that. Now imagine, or rather, try and feel those feelings that we encounter before starting something big and bold it's easy to sit there and feel stuck to agonize over what to write to leave the page behind entirely and go do more research or talk to more experts or go on a walk or watch a show or check your inbox or scroll social media when we aspire to do something great something our intuition is urging us to try it's really tempting for us to sit still to cling to the status quo and so we do where we change nothing. I get it. I think the reason is, at least in part, you're trying to be brilliant. You wanna write something amazing. And so the problem you're trying to solve in your head is how to be amazing. But that's not actually the problem you face, not at first. At first, the problem is simply starting. You don't have a brilliance problem. You have a momentum problem. So solve that. Solving that probably doesn't look like instant brilliance, and it doesn't matter because you don't have a brilliance problem. Solving a momentum problem would mean writing literally anything. Solving your momentum problem is about taking a few wild swings at the jungle between where you are and the mountain peak you're trying to reach in the distance. And those wild swings eventually reveal a path where things will start to feel easier. But at first, Reaching the mountain peak is not your issue. Finding that path is not the issue. The real issue is just picking up the machete. Got it in hand? Great. Now the issue is swinging it. Did you take a few swings? Great. Now let's make those swings productive. You don't have a brilliance problem. You have a momentum problem. You don't need the yes from somebody. You need to ask them the question. You don't need success. You need to try something, anything. So make trying the objective. You don't have a brilliance problem. You have a momentum problem. So solve the actual problem that you have. This just might be the key to unlocking something that our story today explores. How to face a daunting task or a grand aspiration and keep going. (laughs) unlikely, and unexpected. Keep, 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 keep me going. It's unthinkable. The show about trusting your intuition, not the conventional thinking.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm Jay Acunzo, and I want you to make the leap from what best practices say you should do to what your intuition is urging you to try. Each episode, we hear stories from creative professionals who have done something refreshing or unconventional that the everyday expert would never recommend. But it's only unthinkable until you hear their side of the story. And today's story is about Andrew and Pete from the business Andrew and Pete. You know, Andrew and Pete from Andrew and Pete. Okay, so it's not exactly like saying Sonny and Cher or Kanye and Jay-Z or even Tegan and Sarah. But still, when Andrew and Pete began their work, they did have visions of being among the biggest stars in their world of marketing. And the thing is, they did it. But then, in a way, they decided to undo it. Andrew and Pete are more formally known as Andrew Pickering and Peter Gartland. One's tall, one's short, one a bit sleepier, one a bit more energetic, but they're both just stunningly handsome. Okay, that's my shameless way of trying to get them to buy me a round of whiskeys the next time I see them. But before Pete and Andrew were Andrew and Pete, before they rose to marketing fame and then unthinkably decided to set fame aside, before all that... They were classmates in college, or as they'd say it, at university. Pete, what do you remember about your first encounter with Andrew?
1: (laughs) I remember walking in to the kitchen. It was a shared kitchen. And Andrew was putting away his crunchy nut cornflakes in the cupboards. And I went to introduce myself. But the funny thing is, Andrew at the time didn't know who I was, because he was expecting a disabled person to come in. That was Pete. This is Andrew. I, I knew that we were we were
2: sharing the flat with a wheelchair user, and, and I had met everyone else in the flat, so it was just, in my
1: head, the wheelchair user <laughs> to meet. Back to Pete. Hereditary motor sensory peripheral neuropathy type 111. It's a, it's a very rare condition. I was one of the only people in the world born with it. Back to Andrew. Uh, and the Pete comes walking in, and I'm thinking, who's this dude? The funny thing about my condition is I can I can walk a little bit. So most of the time you'll see me around, I'm um, in a wheelchair, but I can walk around, and around the house I would typically walk around the house. So Andrew was just, a, like, really confused about who I was because he was expecting a wheelchair user. So there's me magically just walking around. So... <laughs> That was pretty
2: funny. And then we went out and had a really messy night, and I don't think I saw Pete much for the rest of the night, actually. I don't think we actually bonded much on that night, Pete, because he was the social butterfly of the party, like, wheeling himself around, talking to everyone. So yeah, I thought, this is a pretty cool dude.
0: And so Andrew completely fanboyed all over the socially graceful, effortlessly cool Pete I'm assuming this is the clip from the story that Pete will save and routinely send to Andrew. Anyway, they were friends for three years, Pete, the roguish rock star on wheels, and Andrew, who was also there. Together they tinkered on a business for just under a year, until June 2011 when they graduated and decided to give it a go for real. Just two self-assured entrepreneurs swaggering their way into the marketing world.
1: Right? Right? One of the reasons why we kind of came together in the first place, I think, was just a lack of confidence. Oh, boy. What we've realized now is that everything in business comes down to your confidence and your ability to, like, get over those hurdles and barriers and plateaus and things that are scary and that are holding you back. And I think at the beginning, it was like, I really want to do this, but I'm, to be honest, a little bit scared and overwhelmed by it all. And I felt that, If I had someone by my side, it would be much better and easier and more enjoyable and fun, and we could support each other. So I asked Andrew if he wanted to kind of join me on this journey. And that's, that's, I guess, how it very initially began.
0: From the start of their entrepreneurial journeys, Andrew and Pete brought along a third member of the team everywhere they went, fear. And if Andrew and Pete are the ones trying to figure out a way forward, then Fear's
1: job in the relationship is to ensure they don't. What a great co-founder. It's always the things that are the, the scary things that hold people back the most. Like, for example, outsourcing. At some point, it's inevitable that like, you have to start outsourcing if you're going to grow. And if you don't start outsourcing, then you're just going to plateau because you have to do all the work. It's the same with niching down your business. That's scary. What if you niche down and it doesn't work? What if you need to raise your prices? Because if you're too busy working all the time, working on low paying client work, like you're never going to be able to outsource. Or you're just going to have to work like all the hours of the week just to make enough money to live on. And it's scarier to raise your prices. What if you don't get any more work? What if your current clients turn you down? It's, it's really scary. So everything that's impactful in your business, we feel, is scary. <laughs> and that's why people procrastinate so much on what's actually important. And then they go look for, like, these hacks. Or they think they just need to, like, hustle harder. And it's really not the answer. And, and it's yes. not also about working smarter, I don't believe. I, th- I think it's about working braver. What does that mean, working braver? Well, for example, let's say you're a virtual assistant, right? A virtual assistant typically charges between, in UK pounds, like 20 and 35 pounds. But if they were to niche down into a certain sector or a skill, they would feel much more confident about raising the prices but even without that, they could raise the prices from £20 an hour to £25 or even £30 an hour. Now, if you raise your prices by just even £5 an hour, like you could work less but make the same amount of money, right? So they're not doing anything particularly smart. They've not like re-engineered life. They've just been <laughs> a little bit braver and charged more. Working bravely. So, I have two kids,
0: and the older, my daughter, is three. So, we've now reached the stage where I'm watching more and more movies or TV shows with her that feel like a shared experience. Things like Disney films and Pixar. And by the way, the occasional Yankees game, too. She likes to chant, Let's go, Yankees, so pretty good at this parenting thing, if I do say so myself. Anyways, away from baseball, though I'm pretty sure it still applies to baseball, a lot of these shows and films define bravery the same way. It's not about the absence of fear. It's about facing your fear. Look, kid, a grown up will say at a pivotal point in the movie or show I'm not brave because I don't get afraid. I'm still afraid, but I try anyway. That's being brave. The monster might be in the woods you might not win the battle. You do need to raise your prices. You might have to create that thing while everyone else tells you it won't work. They do see it as unthinkable, but you do it anyway. Since 2014, Andrew and Pete have been trying to work bravely in their own way. That's when they launched their business, Atomic, which was a paid membership to access their best content and their time along with a small community of other small business owners to grow your business. Here's Andrew.
2: And to be honest, we launched it far too early. Like we launched it when our audience wasn't big enough, but we hadn't really worked out like who we were or what we were doing in business. We kind of launched it because we wanted a membership. And I feel like Atomic has developed a lot
0: as we've developed. This was 2014, before memberships became as trendy as they are today. Most people would not have advised that they create a paid membership back then. It wasn't the
1: norm because they'd tried the norm and their hearts were never really in it. We had so many business ideas and we were trying to get investment for an app and all these different kind of software ideas that we had and it just didn't go anywhere. And we just thought we needed to make some money and we did some client work stuff for a few years. We built websites and logos, and we did marketing for people. And we really just didn't enjoy that. It's not what we wanted. We wanted a more scalable business model. So Atomic is a membership and a brand, and that is the lifestyle that we are going for. We thought we could get a load of people in, paying a monthly subscription, and we could do minimum work. And that was going to be awesome. But what they soon realized was it wasn't
0: that awesome. They realized they'd need a much bigger audience to run a successful membership. They'd need a team. They'd need to really work at articulating the value of the membership to make it something worth buying in the minds of their audience. And so they decided, okay, we're in marketing. We serve business owners. And so we need to build a reputation among those people. So let's go and meet some of those people. And it's right here that this idea of working bravely really started to take shape.
2: I think a lot of people will start small, like they'll go to the local events first, they'll do a little bit of networking, and then they might go on like a smaller podcast and like build up to the bigger ones. Where kind of Man and Pete's mentality was, you know what, like let's not wait, let's like push ourselves to go for like the bigger podcast interviews. Like one of the bravest things we felt like we were doing at the time was we flew to Social media marketing world in San Diego. We were making like no money at the time. It was like a massive investment. And we were going to be surrounded by these people that to us felt like a thousand steps ahead of us on the ladder. But we had each other to kind of push ourselves forward and like take that bigger step. And maybe that was down to a little bit of being young and naive as well. But I feel like it definitely was. Also, to do with following those fears by being a bit braver and having someone to, egg the other person on as such.
1: We actually we reached really high and we got on some of the world's biggest podcasts, like straight away. Like our very like our very first speaking gig was social media marketing world, like the world's largest social media conference with like five thousand attendees. Like, how the hell did we do that? Like, we didn't work smarter, we didn't hustle harder. We just were really brave and pitched ourselves at the highest level. Think of it this way. They spotted an opportunity, but it felt scary
0: or like a dream if they could land a speech at that conference. But their problem wasn't fulfilling that dream. At first, their goal was not to get the speaking gig. The goal was simply to make the pitch. And so they did, because that was the problem they actually had. And because they made the pitch, the owner of the event said
1: yes. And because we got that one big domino, all of the other speaking gigs that we wanted became so much easier. It's like they wanted us rather than us having to pitch. I'd argue that
0: the first big domino wasn't even actually the speech itself at Social Media Marketing World. The first big domino to fall was that they were willing to make the pitch at all, because that was their actual problem at the time. If they were accepted, then delivering a great speech would become the second problem. Or really, creating a speech worth delivering. You get the idea. Momentum first, brilliance later. Trying is the problem right now. Succeeding is a problem later, or maybe just a byproduct of constantly trying, constantly working bravely. By simply embracing that they had to make the pitch come what may, what came was a huge speaking opportunity. And then another. Then another, all because of that first big domino. The real one, the hidden one, the one that only they knew that they faced. And face it they did. Bravely. When I was speaking to Andrew and P, I tried to apply this idea to my own work in developing and hosting shows for brand clients. For years, I wasn't really pitching clients who would come to me on more ambitious creative ideas. I would sort of play it safe and it would look like a lot of other shows out there or, you know, something that was on their website. And once I started implementing what I would call an educational but challenging sale, where I would try to push them to think better differently about the medium, about their brand, about their own story, the topics, but more important, their angle or hook on the topics, people started to light up. And, and so one begot another you know, confidence begets confidence. Even if at first you feel you're faking it, eventually it just becomes who you are. So I, I love this idea of working braver. I'm curious about speaking. I know it was at one point something you did a lot more of, but you would be on stage together. prepare yourselves. It's Andrew and Pete. And that, to me, <laughs> as someone who spent four years with speaking as a primary vehicle would drive me insane, number one, and just feels (laughs) so rare and complicated. So you share the credit, you share the acclaim, you share the attention, you literally would share the stage. So speaking was a really good proxy for this idea of all things being shared across both of your personalities.
2: Hello guys, welcome to our talk. We hope you are ready to have some fun today.
0: What was the process like at that point in your careers? Figuring out how not just to be co-founders, but to be co-performers.
2: Yeah, I feel like it was a process. Andrew again. I feel like when we first started speaking, it was very much we'll stand at the front of the room, these are Andrew's slides, these are Pete's slides, you do your bit, you do your bit. As we kind of got a bit more comfortable with speaking, and it does speaking does not come naturally to me, like Pete is the performer, Pete is the guy that that's on stage. So I feel like I had to get more into that role of like standing up and talking in front of thousands of people. And I feel like we realized there was two of us and one of us is in a wheelchair and we're quite much younger than most of the people that we see speak. Why don't we play more into that? Like, why don't we try to have a bit more fun with this? Like, why don't we try to put our personalities out a lot more on stage like we were doing with our content. And so we tried to do lots of gimmicky kind of fun bits in our talks, whether we'd
1: have like confetti or like throw chocolate across the room and things like this. The talk that stood out the most was we went with Drew
0: Davis. That's Andrew Davis, who's a marketing author and keynote speaker. Andrew Davis featured heavily in last year's most popular episode of this show, Leaving Expertville. And he's also the person responsible for my speaking career.
1: We met him at Content Marketing World, and we'd just seen his talk, and we we're like, holy like moly, you were just unbelievable. How did you get so good? And he was like, send me what you're working on. So we sent it to him, and he ripped it to shreds in a you know, polite way. And then we went on this journey of literally every day for like three months we spent like two to four hours working on a new talk and it was intense like every single day we were told like no it's not good enough that's not good enough like like, what's the real problem you're trying to solve here and what is the actual solution and uh, what's the personality what's the vibes before this talk even I'd never actually done a talk in my wheelchair because I was actually too self-conscious about it. I would actually get a stool on the stage and I would just sit in the stool and do the talk like that, but it, that didn't allow any movement on stage from me. So Drew actually helped us basically not feel as so self-conscious. So he told me to do the talk in my wheelchair. So this upcoming talk that we were preparing for, it was the very first one that I'd ever done in my actual wheelchair. Which is very strange, but it did allow funny jokes like, uh, um, like Andrew could literally physically turn me around in the chair and go like, "Look, do you not see the screen? Like, this is what I'm trying to say," and <laughs> and stuff like that, and and it was kind of funny and yeah. So we played into that a lot more. We got more confident and we actually delivered it at a conference in the UK for the first time, and. We'd done a few talks by this point. We were like, at a really good level, but this was completely new for us. It was
2: such a surreal moment. And I can like just picture the moment exactly now. Like I can go back, all of our friends, like our business friends had came and they were all
1: camped out on the front row. They were all cheering us on. And at the very end, we got our very first standing ovation. And that was like incredible for us. We were like, oh my God. There was a guy in the audience who knows the the owner of Social Media Marketing World. And he texted him right away and said, you need to hire Andrew and Pete to keynote Social Media Marketing World.
0: As in to the entire conference, not a room to the side with five other speakers speaking at the same time slot. Nope, the opening keynote to all 5,000 attendees. I asked Pete, what did it feel like rolling out onto the stage for the very first time in front of the entire event?
1: All the stress that leads up to it just melts away and you forget about the months of hard work and stress and it feels great. Actually, as an introvert, I feel like that part after the talk to me is
2: just, it's almost like I can't remember it. I was like that exhausted and just like emotionally spent. I actually think the biggest high came the day after, like I don't know if you remember Pete, like the day after we were keynoting day one of the conference and so day two, just milling round the hallway, we just could not go anywhere. I've never felt more like a celebrity in my life, it was, that was surreal.
0: Today, just a few years after that speech, Andrew and Pete have scaled back on their public performances. Instead, they've decided to build something that requires less travel and less direct trading of their time for dollars by leaning harder into their membership, Atomic. They saw this membership as the best way to have the impact that a lot of speakers are trying to have, but in a way that fit their styles better. Unlike so many marketers and creators today, they don't want their own fame to be the central driver of their success. The word that I see appearing on your site the most to describe the Atomic community is fanatical
2: why what does that word mean to you i feel like the atomic community is fanatical because it's not just about them being fans of us and i feel like that's something we've been very conscious about ensuring that they are fans of each other and it feels like the community has now got to that point where it is bigger than than me and pete and like, we see like how much they help each other out, how much they are willing each other to succeed, how much they're willing to give up their own time to help each other out. So we didn't just want to create a place where like people could be like, oh, it's Andrew and P, like let's like go and talk to Andrew and P and get loads of advice from, from Andrew and Pete. Like we wanted to create an actual community. And I feel like for it to be a community and not an audience, They have to know each other as well as not just know us. So we build a lot of things into Atomic that allow them to get to know each other.
0: I want to get into how you create such a fanatical community and audience by essentially working our way around the flywheel. So resonating with others to create passionate fans is a process. There's not going to be that silver bullet and we can visualize it like a flywheel, um, partly because it works, partly because I guess if you're in business and you're modeling something, it has to be a flywheel today, apparently, (laughs) if you look around the world. But essentially all parts of a flywheel by design build on each other. And so you can create this compounding momentum and thus return. And I want to lay out the four parts, the four quadrants of this flywheel and ask you to describe what you think you do uniquely well. And I'll give you the four parts in a row. And then we'll go one by one kind of backtracking that list. I want you to think about and remember the acronym PEPR, P-E-P-R, Pepper. So if you want to create something a little more resonant, you know, a little tastier, just add some pepper. P E P R. That stands for premise, experience, personality, and reinvention. So let's take one at a time and talk about it as it applies to Atomic and this fanatical community you're building. So, the first hurdle to resonating more deeply with an audience is you need to say something that matters. Funny how that's a hurdle, but it absolutely is, especially in this noisy world where lots of ideas sound like commodified expertise. You need not a topic, not a niche. You need a premise. And the premise provides the audience motivation to subscribe. A premise is more than topics. It's also your hook. It's something that is what I would call your binding belief that binds everyone in your tribe together. It might also be a fun gimmick. Although I think for something like Atomic, it's a bigger project, a lot more ongoing engagement and a big transformation you're offering. So the binding belief seems to be relevant here. Um, This is less about the riskiest boldest unique thing that you do it's just more about finding what it is you are saying that allows your audience to say oh my gosh this is so for me even before they opt into it and maybe even they refer people to you because they love the premise you know it's like with a podcast oh my god this is so for me and andrew pete you gotta check out the show no no i haven't listened to it but the premise oh my god it speaks (laughs) to our souls and that is also providing useful friction to the folks you're not building for Right? it's not just trying to appeal to everybody it's also trying to say to somebody hey yeah high five handshake hug i'm not building something for you and so that's really useful that binding belief that Ooh. premise you've developed that's how you say something that matters that's how you provide motivation to subscribe and so the punchline to this little rant is what is the premise of atomic more so than what are you covering or what audience are you serving what is that binding belief that you bring with you to
2: inform everything you're doing? I think there's maybe two parts to this. I think the first is like the, the, the reason behind the name Atomic. So Atomic means small and mighty. So we wanted to create a place for small businesses where they didn't feel inferior to medium-sized businesses or bigger businesses. Like the whole premise behind Atomic is that actually running a small business is better than running a large business. With when you run a small business, you can have a lot more freedom. You can build the business around what you want to get out of it. You can make bigger, better decisions in the business. And you can make a ton of money as well. Like We wanted to ditch this kind of idea that small business means less money. You can make a ton of money like as a solo business owner or with a small team and compete with the bigger businesses. I think that is one of the premises of Atomic. And I think the second thing is that business shouldn't be boring. And I think if you look at our content across social media, in our emails, like it's not boring business content. And I think a lot of people are drawn to us because they want to grow a business, but they want to have a
1: bit of fun along the way. Uh, Let's do this. Firstly, we're gonna show you how to avoid taking Zoom call meetings altogether, and then show you how to have quicker Zoom calls for the ones that are actually necessary. Because here's the thing, guys, bring it in, bring it in. The quickest Zoom calls are the calls that never happen at all. Oh yeah, baby. Tweetable. Pete, is there anything specific
0: you'd point to that before somebody becomes a member of the group, right away, those two beliefs shine through in your marketing, in your sales, the the two beliefs that Andrew just mentioned of like, it's mm. better to work in a small business, and you're all about that belief. And also business shouldn't be boring. What would you point to to say, you know what, here's, here's examples where that actually does show up. That is the premise people know, that might even prompt them to try mm. and uh, become a part of the community.
1: Well, for example, if you watch, like one of our YouTube videos, you know, you'll get like, Andrew paying someone in the face, or, Um, you know, he, we talked about GDPR, but, like, he came running into the YouTube video, like, dressed in a, like, prison outfit. Hey everybody, so it's just me today. Um, yeah, so this is actually quite hard for me to say, but Andrew, he's, he's in jail. Um, he sent a few emails carelessly and the GDPR police actually came and wanted to make an example of him. He's got, he's got 20 to life. God damn it. Hey, 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 Oh my God. Andrew. I escaped. Did you break out? Oh my God, are you okay? Come here, buddy. Oh. Okay, so GDPR is coming and small business email marketers are losing their sh**. So, <laughs> immediately, if you are someone that doesn't resonate with that, you are turned off, like, We're we're just in the face with that. So if you don't find us funny, or if you don't like us as people, you're probably not gonna get on with our community either. So I think by showing our personality a lot more, if people resonate with our personality, then they're more likely to resonate with our community. And that's one of the best things about the community. Like if if we get people together, They have such an amazing time and I think that's really important we even do a lot of in-person meetups we have our own in-person conference called Atomicon and when people get together at those conferences like it's amazing so if you can show the vibe and and embody the vibe then you're just going to attract those people that you get on with and that they get along with each other as well the first part of that flywheel
0: is the premise. Pepper, the next, the E mm. is experience. Because the next hurdle to resonating deeper is time spent. To create passionate fans, you need others to spend meaningful time with you, whatever meaningful means in your business, in your context. But they have to form an actual relationship and opinion of you. And so they need that time investment. That's why it's so dangerous to just obsess over pure awareness when what you really want is affinity. It's not about getting in front of people. It's about those people walking over, sitting down and spending some Time with you. So, the second piece of the flywheel is experience to not just grab attention, but learn to hold it. How do you ensure people don't start energized? then just bail from the group because this does seem to plague the model of a community group and you know, a a business forum where people can come in with high hopes based on the marketing and the sales and they start really energized and maybe even contribute right away, but then they don't really stick around. So how do you encourage consistent time spent and make that a part of the habit from the jump
1: from the very beginning? I think the word habit is important there. If you make someone feel like they're in a safe place or, when they have that first interaction, they reach out first and you can be there for them or the community is there for them and they get a great first experience. It just encourages them that they can come back and do that again. How do you do that? We actually watched a keynote by Joey Coleman who talks about the first 100 days of your customer experience. And if you can make that remarkable, then you can essentially have a customer for life here's
0: how andrew and pete's onboarding works for brand new members of atomic at least around the time we spoke in spring 2022 first everybody gets a personalized video from them or a team member to welcome them in along with a physical welcome pack sent through the mail in the pack would be things like a branded wristband and other goodies including a checklist of how to make the most of atomic Then, two weeks in, they would send an email to the new member that asked them to reply A, B, or C to a single question about how they were enjoying their time in Atomic. A means they're loving it, while C means they're not. And what they actually look out for is the answer B. B is loving it, but I haven't spent enough time on it. And Andrew and Pete reply to everybody who responds with a B personally. They then find out what this person wants to achieve in the next 30 days and show them how Atomic can help. And then a third category of onboarding things kick in. If their new member is creating content, Andrew and Pete will either start commenting on it or start sharing their content to their own social media followers. That's somewhere between twenty and 30,000 people across channels. And lastly, number four, Andrew and Pete hired a community manager who's one of 14 people working with them on a part-time basis to build Atomic. And this community manager personally invites the new member to the next Q&A session with Andrew and Pete. I want to go back to working bravely here. Andrew and Pete, of course, really want a new member to become a passionate fan and customer and an evangelist to other small business owners for Atomic. But they don't have a super fan problem with each new member. Not at first. At first, maybe they have a a value awareness problem or a value experience problem. In other words, how do they get somebody to a moment of value quicker? Because that's the first domino that needs to fall. They solve the problem they actually have now to more easily achieve something very aspirational, like turning that person into a superfan. Back to the flywheel to resonate with others. Let's call it the flywheel of favoritism. PEPPER is the acronym. P-E-P-R. PREMISE. Provide motivation to subscribe. Experience. Provide short-term motivation to stay. And now, personality. Why? Well, even if you have a great premise, and even if you produce a good experience, people still have endless choices that can pull them away. So where's the loyalty? Where's the love? Where's the deepening of the relationship towards trust and passion and an enduring connection? Even a great premise and a great experience is not enough to create a superfan. The trust and love and loyalty all flow through and to one thing. You. You need to ensure that people begin to go deeper, to take the next steps in the relationship with you. You need to provide motivation to act. This isn't about bringing your full self to the work. I don't quite get that because yes, you want to bring more genuine traits of yourself to the work, but right now you're not getting my full self. I'm really tired. I've had a rough week. There's something looming on the horizon that's been stressing me out, and you're not getting any of that. So you're really not getting my full self. Instead, I like to say, let your quirks out from where they've been hiding. Andrew and Pete do that. That's not scary for them. What might be scary, however, is the lack of personality in a community group of other people where each new customer starts to engage. In other words, as personalities, they've attracted people who love their quirkiness to the community group, full of other people who are all maybe holding back their quirks. It doesn't match the Andrew and Pete style that prospective customers grew to love. So I asked them, how do you ensure that others in the community also let their quirks out and also connect emotionally through their personalities?
2: A lot of it is leading by example, like doing Mm -hmm. things ourselves and being quite open and honest in our content. And I think there's a lot of bravado in our industry and a lot of look how awesome I am. So we'll often talk about things that didn't go well or we'll tell you what we did wrong. Like we launched Atomic like far too early as an example. And I think if the community can see the leaders being vulnerable and saying, you know what, like we're not perfect, like we're not gods in this and letting like our personalities out, then people feel way more comfortable doing it themselves. And we don't want them to be like us at all and that's actually one of the the big the, the questions we get most when when we're doing talks and we're creating content like i'm not funny or i'm not as interesting as you or that those kind of questions that we'll get and it's like it's not about trying to emulate us it's about working out who you are what is your personality and and how you get that across And like one thing that me and Pete don't do all that much of is like look at other people in our industry. Like we don't look at the other business memberships. We don't try to emulate them in any way because I think you can drive yourself crazy trying to do that. And we just kind of stay in our own lane and just try to
1: stay like three steps ahead of everyone else. I think what Andrew says there is really spot on. And I think one of the other ways that we demonstrate and lead by example is we actually try to get to know our members (laughs) and we genuinely care about them. And like our community, like we would hang out with them. Like we go to the pub with our members, like we love them. I think that is also quite unique in the business world, like how many people actually really love their customers. And I think one of the ways we do that is we actually try to get to know them, but obviously we can't know everyone like a hundred percent. But what we tried to do is we ha- we almost had this idea of like one fan a day. Like, could you create one fan a day? And what that has kind of morphed into is when we have some spare time, like we can spend more time with one individual. We might like give one of our members a call out of the blue, or we might go completely overboard on advice and spend like, a ridiculous amount of time trying to help someone way more than what's expected or necessary but if we do that and especially if we do that in a public forum then that that message kind of spreads out that example spreads out and what we find is that our, our members like often do the same so they they're like oh you're struggling like i'm free this afternoon do you want to hop on a call and i can help you right? That's my thing. And, you know, it's free. So doing that is one way to keep the loyalty and also set a great example. Okay, we've reached the final
0: letter in Pepper. P is premise, provide motivation to subscribe. E is experience, provide short-term motivation to stay. P is personality, provide motivation to act, to go deeper and create that loyalty between your audience and you. And then you have R, O-O-R, O elusive R, R is for reinvention. stagnation is the enemy. Repeating the same quote-unquote best practice forever is not actually the best practice. No matter how great a start we got off to, or how much we or they love what we create, doing the same thing the same way all the time grows stale. The world changes, our tastes change, our audience's needs change, and if we don't change, then we grow stagnant. The emotional connection fades away and with it the love the trust the results yes consistently creative work consistently changes so we need to reinvent what we're doing so we continue to provide long-term motivation to stay which of course allows the flywheel to keep on spinning so we can continue to say something meaningful through our premise continue to create experiences that hold attention continue to build trust through our personalities and on and on the wheel turns so how do Andrew and Pete fight stagnation to keep themselves engaged and their members?
2: It's a bit of a balancing act here because we need to constantly give them like what they've bought whilst also giving them new stuff. And I think what we've done quite well with Atomic is that we're constantly listening to members, to what they want, what they like about Atomic, what they don't like about Atomic... And we'll add in features, we'll take out features that aren't working. We'll keep them on the edge of the toes and do things that surprise them. Like, for example, a few years ago, we posted in the group and we said, Hey guys, we want to know what your biggest win of the week is this week. Like, comment on this post, let us know, let's support each other. And we're gonna pick a winner at random and we're gonna have pizza delivered to their door and the post just went crazy today like for dinner and the post just went crazy everyone started commenting their wins and then we went live in the group we picked a winner at random and then we found a local takeaway close to where they lived and we had like pizza delivered like that night and nobody was expecting that to happen that's not something we advertised but I think if you want to keep that experience going and keep that kind of habit going You can't get complacent with your business or your community or whatever it is you're doing. You have to keep your customers wanting more because they know something new is constantly around the corner. It sounds like ultimately cheesy, but like being able to help their business often has a massive impact on their their, their life. And I don't think there's anything quite like Seeing our members like get wins and share like, financial wins, share personal wins, it just kind of fuels the soul, and it's a reason why we love working with like, small business owners that are doing amazing things.
0: Andrew and Pete want their members to work bravely, so naturally, they have to work bravely. And if you trust talking animals and fairy godmothers from TV and film, then being brave is not the absence of fear. It's the willingness to proceed despite the fear being present, being with you, being strapped to you as you roll ahead. It's not about being brilliant. It's about momentum. It's not about being famous to millions of people from a stage. It's about having an impact on just one person. And then you do it again and again and again. What is the actual first domino that needs to fall? The actual problem you face. Focus right there. Work on your premise. Are you saying something that matters, which provides motivation to subscribe? Work on your experience. Can you go beyond grabbing attention and learn to hold it? Because that provides some short-term motivation to stay, to finish your article or your episode. Work on your personality. Let your quirks out from where they're hiding and learn to use your voice and your person as a bit of a performer, not to trick people, but to let the right traits out to deliver a message that resonates. That provides motivation to act. Work on reinventing. Avoid stagnation, both for your own sake as the creator and your businesses, your audiences. This provides long-term motivation to stay. Pepper, P-E-P-R. Premise, experience, personality, reinvention. If you wanna do something a little tastier, if you wanna resonate a little deeper, add some pepper. The flywheel spins, earning the love of passionate fans. You don't have to market more, but you do have to matter more. In doing so, we can all grow bigger by resonating deeper. Thanks for listening. This episode was written, edited, scored, and hosted by me, Jay Conzo, and produced by Alana Nevins. Special thanks to Andrew and Pete. You can check out all their work at atomic.site. That's atomic, A-T-O-M-I-C, dot S-I-T-E, atomic.site. Can't thank them enough for their creativity and generosity. If you share this show, and I hope you do, remember to thank them too. And if you wanted to reach me directly about anything relating to this show or my work, like my consulting for brands to make shows for your organization or my coaching one-on-one with you for eight weeks, I'm Jay at unthinkablemedia.com, and I'm also at Jayaconzo on Twitter one final thing every other week i'm exploring the same idea through my free newsletter what does it take to be their favorite not the best not the biggest that's not the goal what does it take to resonate so deeply that others declare that what you've created whether it's a project or your brand is their favorite you can subscribe for free and join thousands of my subscribers at jayaconzo.com. back soon with a brand new episode of the show until then keep making what matters see ya Thank you again to our sponsor, The Juice. They're kind of like the Spotify for B2B. There's not really a good discovery layer over this endless glut of resources that we have as marketers to learn about our jobs, and there's constantly something new to learn. So The Juice has put together a portal that curates the best resources from around B2B marketing, both individuals and brands creating helpful resources, and it helps us to sort through all that mess and find the best material. So whether you're a senior level marketer looking to manage people or somebody trying to keep up with technology, whether you're new to marketing or you're a veteran, you can find a playlist of content that is customized to your job inside the juice. And it's totally free to sign up So join thousands of marketers and sales professionals who already advanced their careers by learning through the juice at the